Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love, the podcast that talks vocation, love and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello friends, welcome back to Transformative Love Podcast. Today we have Sister Marg Callahan, who lives very close to the studio, literally next door. And I had dinner with Marg last night and that was lots of fun, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> Thanks for coming and talking to us about your life and your journey. And so Marg, we wanted to start with, I guess what we wanted to know is, what is the belief system or the philosophy that shaped your childhood and continues to form who you are today. And maybe you could even talk about what your image of God is. This is a very hard question. It is. (laughs) Um, You know, I grew up with a a, a family, very Catholic parents, Mm. but as I say, they're not, as the Italians say, not fanatical. No, (laughs) Uh, that's good. um, You know, we used to go to Mass on Sunday, and we went to Catholic schools, but uh, that was the extent of it but yeah. I think particularly my father had a lot of great faith yes and mm. I always remember seeing once you know he walked past their bedroom and here he was kneeling at his bed praying oh. and I thought that's what wow. you do as well don't you every night <laughs> no no actually not <laughs> but um, I think in our family uh, because we were such a close unit a lot of my childhood was spent overseas and and so we were just ourselves. We didn't have extended family for a lot of the time. And I think the main thing was that what I learned from my, both my parents was that all people are important, mm. um, that you know, no one is better than anybody else. Yes. And mm. it was all about love and kindness and uh, being grateful for whatever you were given. Mm. In fact, I had a very privileged childhood in many ways. I mean my parents both left school when they were 15 and and got a job and um, my father had a steady job obviously but I think it was just that we were travelled quite a bit, we uh, they were stable, they were you know fairly strict in some ways but in other ways one of the saving graces was that we had a lot of humour in our house. Yeah so you couldn't just sneak out to go partying. They're a bit strict with that. No, well, I'm talking about a younger time. <laughs> oh, sorry, about... that happened later. <laughs> yes, that happened later, much later. Um, uh, but it was, you know, if you talk about an image of God, I suppose God is love. Um, mm, that was the yeah. thing that uh, I knew. I didn't have a strict image of, you know, judge or anything like that, I don't think. But then we, we went overseas, and when I was about seven, and first to London for about 18 months and then to Washington DC for about five and a half years. Yeah. And uh, that was all connected with Dad's job. But, and there were a lot of challenges. I think I was an anxious child. I think I was probably always worried about whether we'd catch the train or the plane yeah. or the whatever. And, um, <laughs> well, the amount of travel that you've done. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the hardest part was going to new schools yes. because I went to about six schools. Mm. And I think that was, I hated it. I was a shy person, believe it or not. But uh, I hated um, going to new schools. But you had to do it. And that was all there was Mm. to it. 
And, but the thing that I loved was, and I think learning outside the classroom. I don't remember an awful lot about my schooling time, yeah. but I do remember the learning about history particularly. And my great loves would be English and history. Yes. And that's what I did when I was going to teach. But I, I just found, I fell in love with American history. Yeah. And going to places like Gettysburg and Boston yeah. and... You know, those sorts of yeah. things were just eye-popping, really, yeah, for me. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. So a lot of the learning happened basically mm. outside the classroom. Absolutely, yes. And yeah. being a, a person who travels, uh, well, travels, you travel mm. quite a bit in your formative years, mm. I would assume that really formed some of your world views. Yes, I think so. And, and, and you know, I suppose I was all caught up with sort of monuments and special yes. places and you know national parks and all that kind of mm. thing and Grand Canyon and whatever else yeah. you know one was able to see including Disneyland um, yeah that's absolutely it opened my eyes to the fact that there was a big world out there yeah. you know? I and mean, this was way long time ago mm. in the 50s in um, you know Australia probably had such a cultural cringe in those days that um, it was all focused inward. But, you know, here I was uh, in, in an opportunity that nobody else that I knew yes, had, yeah. had it. Mm. And um, it was a wonderful, wonderful yeah. time. I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, in the conversations I've had with you, or well, the last conversation we had, uh, you said uh, you were a teacher before joining the IBVM. Mm. And you even at one point said that teaching is really your vocation. I mean, we all have, I think, multiple layers of vocation, mm. especially with the lives that we live today. We uh, have different professions. Uh, we end up doing different things in our lives. But you call teaching your vocation. Uh, what was it about teaching that also inspired you to join the sisters and obviously later going to be a Loretto sister? So what was it about teaching that drew Yeah, I, I think it's actually the wrong way around. I certainly think that teaching was a vocation in terms of work. Yes. In terms of what I would do. Yeah. I think my religious vocation, strangely enough, began when I was 12. Yeah. Because I can remember being in a church, in our parish church in Washington, and I always use the phrase, God captured my heart. Mm. And I just knew, I don't know what it was, I, I, don't, I don't know. And the only reason I can confirm that is that when I was on the plane, when I was nearly 15 coming back to Australia, I remember thinking to myself, well, if I don't find a group of sisters to join in Australia, I'll go back and join the group that yeah. taught me in America. So um, luckily I came to Loretto. And the thing about the Loretto sisters was that they were so different. I mean, they were different to each other. I yeah. could never have joined a group that where everybody was mm. in a mould and, you know, behaved and this, were exactly yeah. the same. Uh, there were some teachers I liked and there were other teachers I did not like in Loretto's sisters. And exactly, <laughs> it, was, it was life, you yeah, know. Yeah. But they were independent women and they were mostly well-educated. Some had senses of humour, some didn't. But I was privileged again to be taught by Sister Veronica Brady, who was a, went on to be a professor of English Lit and, and uh, did a PhD and so on. But she just had this wonderful 
love of English and history, which yes. uh, really mm. um, I drank in, yeah, I suppose yeah. is the only way to put mm. it. But the teaching was, was something probably in my bones because my father's family, apart from him, yeah. everybody else was a teacher. And when I went to university, I happened to get a teacher's college scholarship, they were called in those days, and it entailed a bond to teach in the education department, the state education department, after I finished. Yeah. And I remember saying to my parents when I got it, well, I might want to enter. And it was oh, the first I'd ever yeah. said anything to them about it. And my father wisely said, well, let's just cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> and so I went on and, and did English history at university in a BA and dip ed. And then um, I still felt I wasn't ready to enter. Mm. Uh, and I, mainly because I hadn't developed socially. Yes. I was sort of, I just felt I needed to break out a little bit more. More and life so, experience. That's right, absolutely. It, despite, all despite all the travelling. Despite all the travel, despite the uni. <laughs> I felt as though I just needed to establish myself. Yes. So I ended up teaching in Musselbrook High School for three years mm. in, the, in the country. And that yeah. was the making of me because I had a, a much, much wider and better social life. Yeah. And um, I was on my own, so I was growing up a bit. So I felt by the end of that, I, strangely enough, with Mary Ward's history, I looked in the mirror one day and I said to myself, well, it's now or never. Yeah, and yeah, so fair I, enough. I got in touch with Veronica and um, said, you know, who do I talk to? Because I didn't know anybody. I hadn't seen Loretta Nunn for eight years. Yeah. So... Um, well, they were out there so, doing things, right? Well, they were mainly teaching, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is what happened in those mm. days. But they were—they had moved around, you know, they were in different places. So um, Yes. And she'd mm. been, you know, Veronica was at was um, at St Mary's College in, in Melbourne University. Yeah. But that was that was how I got yeah. involved. And, uh, you know, I found that freeing to, to be able to join them and mm. learn a lot more and to grow more yeah. after that. And it was an exciting time. You know, um, the Vatican II had happened while I was studying and, you know, I didn't know much about it. But when I entered... It was actually an exciting time in the church. Yeah, yeah. So much mm. change was going so on. So much energy. And, and there was energy, and there was energy mm. in the young members of yes. the order that I joined. And we had lots of opportunities to learn new things, go to lectures, yeah. go to discussions, all sorts of things like that. And it was just great fun. Yeah, yeah. Fun, and, um, and yet the mind was also engaged, mm. which was great. And I guess... My interest in knowledge was what it was all about too. Yes. I, I mm. love learning about things. Yeah, I love, yeah. you know, and, and I think it was also the time when we were learning, beginning to learn a lot more about psychology yeah. and um, human, human development, and... human behaviour. That to me was just yeah. freeing. It, it, oh, it yeah. sort of opened up the world, yeah. you know, and I hadn't been involved in the hippie culture of the 60s because I'd yeah. been either... <laughs> You know, I was much too yeah. sort of shy and uh, lacking in experience to yeah. do that. Yeah. But it was, and I had the country experience, but, you know, that wasn't, <laughs> that yeah, wasn't like yeah. a hippie at all. Um, but this was, this was really expanding the mind and the, the personality, yeah. I think. Yeah. Now, mm. Mark, you said um, just earlier that at the age of 12, mm. God captured your heart. Mm. And I, for me, uh, I guess that's captured me. And 
I wanted to know how does God continue to capture your oh, heart? Oh gosh. <laughs> well, <laughs> it just is. It's it's a fact, you know. It, it it is. I think because the charism of our order and Mary Ward and the Ignatian spirituality mm. that we have, which is so wise and sane, yes, and mm. real, yeah, uh, yeah, is really attracts me and. It is about discerning what God is asking of me wherever I happen to be. Yeah. But to kind of know God is real. I yes. think when I entered, I have to confess another thing, and that <laughs> is that I, the only thing that concerned me was, was God real? Yeah. <laughs> is there really a God, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, well... You know, come on, God. I, I was going. I was making my thirty-day retreat before I was going to take final vows, mm. and I happened to walk into the chapel and found uh, a book that had a, an article in it about what to ask for on a thirty-day retreat. Oh. I thought you can ask for something. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, wow, okay. So I said, okay, I just want to know you're real. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. And it happened during the retreat. Wow. And it was a very, yeah. it was a physical feeling yeah. of God's presence. That's and beautiful. That was, that was it, you know, yeah. I, I don't need, you know, well, maybe I've felt as though I've yeah. needed it again and again at times, but it doesn't sort of regularly happen. Um, but it was a moment in my life when God really physically yes. touched me, mm. I think, in mm. a sense. And, and, and I knew that God was real yeah. and it's never, ever left me mm. from that point of view. Stunning. Yeah. Now, you were the province secretary and treasurer, which <laughs> yes, is, for my I, I suppose it's got something to do with money, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but a big, big role and you'd have to be really meticulous, which you are. I guess tell us a little bit about that well, experience. It, it, it probably wasn't as much hands-on as you think. Yeah. It was certainly in a province office that was way, way smaller than it is now. Yeah. Like there were about three people in the office. With one, um, one chair to share. Yes, and, 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 and one of whom was the business manager. So he did all the financial side of things. The role that I had was a sort of an official constitutional role of being the province bursa, wow. which just simply meant that, you know, someone had to oversee yes. the finances mm. and so on. And... I was lucky enough to be there with two very good provincials yes. who set up, um, one of whom set up the province finance committee. So we mm. had a wonderful group of people who really looked at the finances with financial eyes, if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was ah. just sort of sitting there taking notes <laughs> most of the time. So it wasn't quite as onerous as it sounds. But the, the secretarial side of it, again, was just more organisation and, yes. and producing. We did have a, a secretary who came in eventually too and producing sort of um, newsletters for the sisters and yeah, so on, yeah. that kind of thing. So I only recently learned this about you. You know, I should have known this. But anyway, uh, you, you finished writing the history of Loretta Kirigali School. Mm -hmm. What was that process like and how can we get access to this book? Oh, <laughs> I'll give you a copy <laughs> Um, yes, the, this this all came about because the the school had engaged a woman to write it. Yes, a woman called Susan Emerson, who was eminently good at at writing school history. She'd done two before, but unfortunately, during the process, she um, got cancer and she eventually died. So she wasn't able to complete mm. it 
although she'd done most of the heavy lifting for the uh, at least three quarters of the book. And when I finished in Melbourne in the office, I came to Sydney. This is the first time I was ever sent to Kirribilli, which yeah. is where I had been to school for three years at Kirribilli. After having a break and, and also that same year my mother died and I was a little bit freer to decide, well, what do mm. I do next? And I knew the book hadn't been finished and Sister Genevieve was the archivist in the school and I thought, well, look, I can think I can probably work with Genevieve yeah. and, and um, so I offered to do it. Mm. And I love history yeah. and I think that was probably why. But what it meant was I had to kind of adapt the style yes. to mm. suit what Susan mm. had done. And that was okay. That was probably good for me because uh, I'd never written anything yeah. like that before. Mm. Uh, but there was a lot of editing that had to be done. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but I, it took me, the school gave me an office and, and it took me about two years really to get the whole thing yeah, finished yeah. and to do a lot more interviews. That I had the hard part of doing the last you know, 20 years or yeah. so uh, until the changeover to a lay principal. And, and strictly speaking, in history terms, it's a little bit, it went on too long. It should have been, it should yeah, have finished yeah. earlier, but mm. because there was a natural sort of um, finish when the sisters finished as principal and mm. a lay person took over, uh, that was why we yeah. did it. Yeah. Now, uh, we're gonna talk all things formation, people's favorite word. <laughs> Not <laughs> a terrible word. It is a terrible word. Yeah. But um, you were involved in formation in Vietnam for about 14 years, I think. Um, tell That's us right. about the challenge. Well, what challenged you and the wonderful things? Mm. So challenges mm. and the, the great mm. things that came with it. Mm. Well, it, it's, it's funny because I, you know, the thought of going to Asia was quite foreign to mm. me. Yeah. For various reasons in 2000 and in 2003, I did visit Ho Chi Minh City mm. and Bangkok when we had sisters there. Uh, the first time in it to accompany the provincial and the second time I was asked to go over to Ho Chi Minh City uh, because Sister Margona had already gone uh, to because there was a young woman who was interested in joining us and she yes. had met us through Trish Franklin who mm. was running Loretto Vietnam Australia yeah. program at that stage. And uh, when I'd been there, uh, I came back and I realised that Marg was going to need more support. Yes. And so, mm. uh, and also in 2006, Trish was having a sabbatical, so I was asked to go over and run the charity for maybe nine months or so. Yeah. And then during that time, I realised that really Marg needed more support, and so I went, I asked, I've forgotten whether I asked or I was asked yeah. to go back mm. and start, you know, to help out with the young women who by that stage we had a couple who were taking first vows. Oh, wow, yeah. So yeah. I was in charge of the ones who had taken first vows before yes. their final vows. Yeah. And I enjoyed working with them. Mm. One of the things I didn't say, of course, about my teaching career was that mostly it was religious education. Yeah. And there was a sort of swing from English history into religious education. So I was a, an RE coordinator in yeah. three of our schools. So. Mm. The RE was something that I loved, yeah. which is unusual because most people hate teaching RE. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, so it was a kind of flow over from that. Mm. And I thought, yes, I, can, I think I can probably do this. And it yes. was lovely working with young people. Mm. Uh, but the, you know, I look back at that time and I think to myself, the challenges were working in another culture yeah. with 
young women and the language, which yeah. I never really mastered, but I did study oh. enough to be I'm able sure to get around. I'm sure you can speak fluently and No, now. I cannot. I cannot speak You want to say a phrase Vietnamese. in Vietnamese? <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Maybe Juan's the best or something? <laughs> that should be easy. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I won't even attempt because it'll be so terrible. So that were the challenges, but the, the wonderful part of it was the young people that I met and, and their sort of extraordinary interest in Mary Ward and Mary Ward's charism. And, you know, but there was probably, uh, when I look back, I never really fully understood the impact of a, a white woman working mm. with young Asian Yes. women mm. and a white Australian woman, I should say. I hope that it's been okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I still connect with them yeah. to help mm. out with things yeah. now and then. Yeah. Now, speaking all things Mary Ward, because you mm. just mentioned Mary Ward and, and the charism, and we haven't spoken about Mary Ward, I can't believe it. Anyway, we get to this point of asking the um, our famous uh, question uh, mm. on her deathbed Mary Ward said to her sisters let your vocation be constant efficacious and affectionate and uh, this legacy is still around 400 years on and here we are in mm. this tiny mm. studio room in <laughs> Kirribilli Loretto Kirribilli school and we're still talking about Mary Ward what is the I guess what does that actually signify to you I think it, it talks about faithfulness in what you're doing mm. and you're constant, if, you, if your vocation is constant and no matter what hardships you face, you, uh, you keep going mm. and, and I think some of that is based on the bedrock knowledge of God and uh, looking for, for God's will and I think the looking for God's will comes into the effectiveness, the efficacious yeah. word that she used, which basically means, you know, something efficacious, something effective. And a lot of it is, I think, in very practical ways. Yes. Far mm. more than ever before. You know, when we were teachers, it you did the best you could and you worked with boarders and, you know, you, you had a lot of duties that had to be done and it was hard yeah. work, yeah. to be quite honest. Mm. But now there's so much more outreach, and yeah. and so there should be too, uh, in in ways that you know, particularly I know, for help for those in need, yeah. whatever the needs are. Mm. And there's so many needs now. You know, I was watching yeah. a program last night on on homelessness and and the problem of social housing today, and it's just appalling. It, yeah, it's it is. just mm. appalling, and uh, there's so many problems out there that need help. Yeah, yeah. So the so whatever we do is that and affectionate is always comes back to this loving. Yeah, you know. Well, we, we started caring. with love, that's didn't right. we? You said yes. God is love that's in the right. beginning, and that's what it mm. is. I think. Yeah. Um, that that you care, and I think the compassion and yes. caring, mm. and reaching out and wanting to help, or yeah. at least listening to find out what needs there are. And if you can help or if you can't, you direct them in another yeah, yeah. direction for someone else to help. Mm. But uh, love is what it's all about. Yeah. I have, I have a gay niece and my gay niece was married a few years back and I w went to the wedding and I was asked to give a blessing. Yeah. And I said, you know, God is love. Mm. And these are people who mm. are not churched. 
Yeah. And well, they're not practicing. <laughs> yeah. Catholics, I think. But and, and in fact, sadly, says to me something like, you know, if my church doesn't accept me, why would I bother? And yeah. Fair enough. Oh, fair enough. Exactly. And I said, well, you know, why are we here? We're here because we understand God is love, and yeah. we all, you, you yeah. love each other. You love your so children. So important. We, you know, we love you. This is what it's about. Yeah, that's beautiful and very important for us. And just as our loving God captured you, you've captured us. Um, so thank you so much for making the time to chat to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. This podcast was developed for Loretto Vocations Week. We want to continue the conversation, so we hope to see you at the next episode.